Well, we welcome you to White House First United Methodist Church, and we are so glad you have tuned in to view and listen to this podcast. It is always a joy to have you join us. Do always want to remind you of the things that we have available in person. And each Sunday at 5 o'clock, we have our activities for our children, our youth, and our adults with the adult Bible study. And again, another reminder of next week, the 24th, which is Sunday through Tuesday, the 26th, we'll be having our revival services. And each night we will eat in the fellowship hall at 530, and then we will have the actual revival service at 630 up in the sanctuary. But we are glad you're here today. Do want to take a moment now and go to our Lord in prayer, and then we will begin our time together of singing and hearing God's word. Let us pray. Oh, gracious Lord, we come before you today thanking you for the opportunity you've given us to come together by this way of technology and worship you. Lord, I thank you for what you have done in and through each person's life this week. And as we pause in this time to glean from you, yet once again from your scriptures and hearing these songs proclaimed, I pray that this will be a meaningful time and that you will guide, lead, and direct us in all that we say and do. And we pray all these things in your son's precious and holy name. Amen. Mystery. 
So today we turn our attention to Revelation chapter 3, verses 7 through 13, as we are nearing the end of our seven-week series on the seven churches in Revelation. Today our focus is on the letter to the church of Philadelphia. What kind of church are we? That's what we've been discussing for the last five weeks. For those that listened last Sunday, we looked at the church of Sardis and saw it had the worst claim to fame of all the churches. 
they were considered the dead church. Well, today we turn the corner and now we're looking at the church of Philadelphia. What's interesting is that this church was founded by the citizens of Pergamum, which was the third church that we looked at. And Philadelphia was 40 miles southeast of the church we looked at last week with the church of Sardis. Now, you hear that word Philadelphia, and we've heard of that city around in our day and time as well, and there's a familiar name for Philadelphia, and it is the city of brotherly love. Well, that didn't just come about. That's what Philadelphia means in Greek, brotherly love. We're going to see how this church lived up to that name and so much more. And may we strive with God's help to be like that church. Let's see why I say that as we look at this letter. Again, Revelation chapter 3, verses 7 through 13. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These are the words of the Holy One, the true one, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, who shuts and no one opens. I know your works. Look, I have set before you an open door which no one is able to shut. I know that you have but little power, and yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say that they are Jews and are not, but are lying, I will make them come and bow down before your feet." and they will learn that I have loved you. Because you have kept my word of patient endurance, I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world to test the inhabitants of the earth. I'm coming soon. Hold fast to what you have so that no one may seize your crown." If you conquer, I will make you a pillar in the temple of my God, and you will never go out of it. I will write on you the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem that comes down from my God out of heaven and my own new name. Let anyone who has an ear listen to what the Spirit is saying to the churches. This is the Word of God for the people of God, and we say, thanks be to God. The faithful church, Philadelphia. After several weeks in a row of churches that had a bad claim to fame, we got a church that the Lord had nothing but good things to say. 
Now, I won't lie, though these last three weeks have had some hard but timely words to share, it's good to have a little more encouragement in this letter. And we see on the notes that you have that Christ commended the church in Philadelphia in verse 8 for four things. They have an open door. They have a little power. They have kept the word of God. And they have not denied the Lord. want to touch on each one of these for a moment. That first aspect is about an open door. Lot is mentioned about this object in the letter to this church. The key of David that we find in verse 7 represents Christ's authority to open the door into his future kingdom. The words, an open door which no one is able to shut, that we find from verse 8, seems in this context to be the entrance into heaven and the new Jerusalem. Another quite possible connection with this scripture is that this open door is also an opening for witness or service. I truly believe God is showing us the imagery of the door to demonstrate how He has opened the door for us spiritually and has unveiled some pretty amazing challenges and confirmations to us through this series. I've said to several in the last while, but I sense that this church has had an open door and a window of opportunity that the community is noticing. And I pray that we continue to maximize the opportunities that are in front of us. And just for your information, the Church of Smyrna and the Church of Philadelphia were the only two of the seven churches that the Lord didn't have any criticisms for. Instead, it was just a letter of an encouragement to keep on keeping on. Now, that second point that we notice from verse 8 is, despite their having little power, the believers at Philadelphia had obediently kept God's word and had not denied his name. And even though they didn't have a lot of strength, they didn't rely on their own strength to carry them forward. They stood strong with God's help and allowed his word to be their guiding force, as we see in that third point from verse 8. And then that fourth point was that they didn't deny God's name in anything. They didn't go around tooting their own horn saying, look what we did. Look how I made this place turn around. Look at me. There wasn't any of that. Instead, it was, look at him. Look at what he's doing here. Look at how he has brought us together. Look at him. That's what I see happening within this church in so many ways. 
The latest example of this was on display in a mighty way on Monday night when we hosted the Laity Club and how there were a lot of people that came together to make that night a huge success. Yet once again to see how when a lot of people make a dish, it makes an amazing meal. When a lot of people are willing to do their part, there's a lot of awesome things that can happen. And so that is yet another opportunity that I can reflect on and see the Lord is doing a mighty thing. And it's not anything about us personally. It's about the Lord working through all of us. And that is being noticed. And all these churches that were here on Monday night noticed that and vocally said how appreciative they were. But just like we've done in the last five weeks, we do this again. We see that about the church, but what about us personally? Folks, I hope that we know that we know that it's not about you, it's about our Lord. Philadelphia had that figured out, and I pray that we continue to have that same mentality personally as well as the church going forward. Now, if we strive to be like this church in Philadelphia, in that we yearn to keep God front and center no matter what comes our way, and to keep our mindset firmly on what His Word is teaching us and sticking to it, God's going to be pleased, but... As I mentioned earlier in this series, when God is pleased, Satan is not. And that's what the Lord was speaking through John about in verse 9. I want to read that again. I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say that they are Jews and are not, but are lying I will make them come and bow down before your feet and they will learn that I have loved you. For this church of Philadelphia, these Gentile believers were being told by the so-called Jews that they were second-class citizens and that they didn't deserve God's love. But there would come a day when they would worship with these Gentiles and realize that God's love is for everyone. And even though we're not having that kind of issue in this day and time, for the most part with the Jews and the Gentiles, I believe that God is saying to us that there are people in our midst that may try to play the part of being a Christian but deep down they want to be their own boss, try and fix things on their own, and encourage others to do the same. Maybe it's that they're using the Christian label to lure you into their group and then after a while begin to pull you away from Christ in different ways instead of drawing you nearer to Him. 
Folks, when that's the case, Satan's got these people where he wants them because they're self-destructing themselves spiritually, but the problem is they're also influencing others to follow their lead. But for, for those that are in that mindset, judgment will come for these people. They will have to answer for their wrongs, and it's said in verse 9 that we read just a moment ago that they will be humbled to place God first above their own agenda and follow God's way. Now, there are some that will do that willingly. Some will do it, at, but not after kicking and screaming. But then there are others that will never turn from their human ways. But God is telling us to not let them muddy our water, but to stay true to what we know we need to be doing for Him. And that's to keep Him number one in our lives and to have Him involved in each and every aspect of our daily lives. And when we do this, God promises us in verse 10 that He'll be right there by our side helping us to stay strong to the temptations to do anything other than God's will for our lives and to endure the trials that will inevitably come our way. So what is he telling the church of Philadelphia and us today? Plain and simple, to hold on to the love and faith in him, to treasure his name in our hearts and share that love with others so they can experience his love as well. I want us to look at another verse that we read earlier in verse 11. I'm coming soon. Hold fast to what you have so that no one may seize your crown. want to spend just a moment in sharing what the Lord was revealing to me in connection with this verse in our own life. Want us to think about your vehicle, whatever it is that you drive. Most likely when you go into the store, you turn off the ignition, you take the keys or the key fob with you, and lock the door. Well, in many ways, that should be the same with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We should hold tight to his values daily and be willing to share that love that we have for him with others. But the sad thing is, there are a lot of people out, this out in this world that take more pride in their possessions and the stuff of life and trying to take credit for themselves than they ever thought about for God. It's as if... They're leaving Jesus unlocked, keys in the ignition, and left running to just openly invite our Lord to be stolen from our midst and in our daily lives while all along we're oohing and aahing over the stuff and what we are doing with our own power and our own strength. Look what I did and letting those things 
take the place of our Lord. Hello? If that is going on, something's wrong, people. Our Lord deserves better. As verse 11 said, God's saying to hold on to what you have so that you aren't led astray by the next fad or the next slippery moral slope that someone tries to convince you to do. Does our Lord mean something to us? Does he? If that's the case, then don't let him get too far from you. Because what happens when we distance ourselves from God? We get lured into doing things we don't need to be doing. Now, going back to that locking Jesus mentality, I'm not saying for us to hoard him inside of us and not share that love we feel. Because, folks, if you've got the love of the Lord inside of you, you shouldn't be able to help but sharing that love to others in your actions and words. Feel free to expose that contagious love of Jesus to others. But that mindset of never leading, letting Jesus get out of your mindset, because when we do that and we let him be stolen by Satan's lurings, that's when the trouble happens in our life and Satan has a chance to sneak in and contaminate our lives and steal that joy and that peace and that love that our Lord wants to give us. So what do we do with this information? What does this letter, what does this message say to us? Well, we've been given the keys to open the doors. And I pray we don't just let those keys fall out of our hands and just leave them there. Instead, I pray that we are utilizing God's message to us to go out into this community, the surrounding area, our co-workers, our classmates, our family, and the people we come in contact with and share our Lord's love to them. Remember this simple truth as we close that's in your notes. When we are weak or little, Christ is strong and big. Do we believe that? If so, there is a lot of volume in that because when we are weak or seem little, that is when Christ is our strongest and the biggest. I also pray that we continue to be unified in our goals for our Lord and keep that brotherly and sisterly love like Philadelphia's name means and have the faith that the Lord can deliver us from Satan's hold and bring us out victorious. Are we in this together? Let's go out there and make a difference for our Lord. Let us pray. Oh, gracious Lord, we thank you so much for today. We thank you for this reminder that this church in Philadelphia had it going on. They were living up to their name of brotherly love. And I pray that we as a part of White House First United Methodist Church that we are sharing that brotherly and sisterly love with others that we come in contact with. That 
our love for you will never be taken away from us, will never be stolen by Satan, but that we will continue to hold close to you and share that love with others in every situation and in everything that we face. God, I pray for any decision that needs to be made and may it be made in such a way that brings you that glory, that honor, and that praise. And we ask all of these things in your son's precious and holy name. Amen. Say peace.